Hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and joining me this week is my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. Thanks for joining me, William. Oh, thank you for having me. I love getting to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Yes. So much news happening this week. Man, this summer has not been a quiet one. <laughs> Sometimes it is. This this was not one. And so let's jump on some of the leaks and rumors that kind of just came out late in the week. John Prosser, our friend who's still trying to figure out his whole YouTube channel situation. Again, feel for the guy on that. But uh, he tweeted, as he does, new predictions or leaks as to what products and when they will be coming out this fall. Now, this is in the background also of the earnings call that happened a couple weeks ago where Apple executives actually said that some products will be they'll be a few weeks later than normal. So we already had that information. But now this is what John Prosser is saying, that new iPads and the next Apple Watch, presumably the Series 6, will be released via press release the week starting September 7th. So no event for those devices, just a press release on those, whatever the updated models of those may be. And then he is saying that there is an event scheduled, possibly the week of October 12th, where the iPhone 12 and presumably 12 Pro will be announced, but the only the mid-tier models will be available right away. And the pro models, we have to wait till November to actually have those ship and have them in hand. So these were his latest kind of predictions and such. I find it interesting that a new Apple Watch, this would be the first time that that's kind of relegated to the press release option. Also, presumably, is it only an iPhone event come October? Or will we see something like the Apple Glasses that was rumored? Maybe the AirPod Studios, the over-the-ear headphones? Maybe even AirPower? I know you're probably most excited about AirPower, aren't you? Well, actually, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah? It, I didn't know. <laughs> I kind of, it's sort of more than I expected to be. I, I used to assume that the reason the watch was always announced at the same time as the phone was that the phone was the tent pole and that they were using it to drag along publicity for the watch. You could argue the watch is doing fine now. It doesn't need that. And that they might use that position for something else like air power or Apple glasses and things right. like that. That would, could make sense, couldn't it? And if it's air power, uh, I'm afraid I'm pre-sold, I think. What about really? You're less keen? Oh, I've had, I have wireless you know, chargers, key chargers. I have a pad right here on my desk. And I was using one for that overnight charging. And then it just started messing with me. Um, You know, the phone gets a little bit hotter charging that way. And I don't know if iOS can do all of its battery health management stuff where it kind of slows down charging when it gets to 100%. I don't think it can do that uh, wirelessly. So I, I relegate wireless charging to mm. midday if I need a top up, but I, I don't do it overnight. But I do like the idea of one large pad where I can just throw all my devices. So do you do wireless charging at night or otherwise? Yeah, I recently swapped to it. I started reviewing a, a, a this I think it's pronounced Vizless, Vizless, V-I-S-S-L-E-S one. It's very basic. And in fact, the first one they sent me went wrong, but they <laughs> sent me a later model. And it's, I've been using that one just for myself uh, for weeks now. And yeah, I used to have a very big uh, all-in-one uh, stand that had my iPad Pro, my watch, and my iPhone. And it was just a little sail on the side of the <laughs> bed and replaced now by this little white patch. There are things I wish it did, and I'd like it to be a little bigger. I'd like a light on it to please go out instead of glaring out in the middle of the night. Mm, but it's yes. kind of comforting. I just I can't move back to the 
older stand, even though you have now worried me about that whole battery health. Yeah, I'm thanks. one of those. <laughs> I typically worry about things I shouldn't. And so, I'll, you know, I'll check that battery health. I think I checked it maybe a couple days after I got my iPhone 11 Pro and it was at like 99%. And I immediately regretted knowing <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm like, already? And who knows if it ever stays at 100%. But anyway. Let's just save all of this worry and keep buying new iPhones every year. That's right. It's the only sensible thing. It's the only sensible thing, and I hopefully we'll be able to do that come this October. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it was unknown what iPads might be refreshed in September. Remember, the iPad Pro just got a refresh, added the LiDAR scanner and all that. Not much internal hardware change except for that 12Z processor, which is only one more graphics core greater than the previous 2018 iPad Pro model. So it might just be a new iPad Air. And regular iPad model, maybe a mini that gets refreshed. So unknown. We'll have to see what happens. But it was also rumored that Apple might announce and release their services bundle. Yeah. I feel like we've actually talked about this, you and I, William, in previous weeks. But it seems like maybe it's coming to fruition. The name Apple One services bundle is swirling around. And this would include multiple services. So if you want to sign up for music, arcade, news and apple tv plus presumably that they would have one price where you can subscribe to all those services for the price of one and share it amongst your family members and i've subscribed to some of those we've talked about apple news and stuff in the past my question to you william is at what price point would an apple one services bundle be appealing to you and this might include some of the rumors are saying the icloud storage which i already pay you know the the two terabyte level for my whole family so our devices and photos are backed up so what price point and what services would tempt you if they were bundled together i actually had not thought about icloud and i pay for that too so uh, for me would have to be less than i pay at the moment would be i mean well i have uh family sharing on uh, apple music so that's uh 15 pounds 15 dollars right pay for apple news plus that's another 10 and i think i'm on the same icloud use i think isn't it another ten dollars or so so ten a month yeah anything that was a saving below that i would be instantly on if it was that amount and it added in say apple arcade then i wouldn't be bothered at all because it just it doesn't appeal to me but and do you pay for apple tv plus or are you still in that free trial oh that's a good point i'm still in the the sweet spot it can't be for very much longer right so, well that might be another reason to keep buying apple devices i, mean, I don't know that apple will carry that on but <laughs> i don't think they you know do. you've got to find out so <laughs> yeah i think i think you get a year yeah. free you know and then and then that's it so i think apple tv plus is eight dollars a month yes seven or eight dollars a month so yeah so the the services you said were 35 dollars i don't pay for news but i do pay for arcade mm. which is five dollars and then the apple tv plus so you know you're talking between 30 and 40 dollars if you have these services individually i think if they come out with a 25 dollar price point yeah which seems a little low. I'm not sure, but if they did something like that, that would be very. I would jump on that because I would obviously be saving money. If it was thirty to thirty-five, and maybe I get a service I didn't have before, like News Plus. I don't know. We'll have to see. So you you would hope for uh, maybe thirty dollars for your services. If it was exactly the same as it is now, would that just be easier? No. It has to be either a little less or to offer me a little more before... Well, actually, I say that. It, given that I am subscribing to all these things, there's no reason to assume that if you subscribe for a certain amount of money to get all of these services and it's um, uh, you're paying more than or getting less than the bundle, that they wouldn't just move you over to the bundle. That could happen. Right. 
uh, I'd be all right with that, I suppose. Uh, I just, I realize I, I'm on the fence a tiny bit about Apple News Plus. I'm, I'm up and down about right. it. I love <laughs> Apple Music. I'm not uh, sold on Apple TV Plus yet. Individual shows, yes, but as a service, it's not the first thing I go for anymore. So it's not really a, a draw for me. And uh, just because I'm not a gamer, uh, Apple Arcade is meaningless almost to me. So right. hard to know what they could do to switch. There was a talk once that they could even include Apple Care, uh, which apparently they said now they wouldn't. Right. And uh, even at one point, there was talk of maybe it would be $100 and you would get the services and basically rent an iPhone. Huh. Uh, that kind of combination would be very appealing. But for the current rumours uh, are all about services. And I imagine... Although, actually, Apple One sounds more like a Starship to me than a Surface. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think Google actually branded their all-in-one kind of cloud services package as Google One. We don't know if the Apple will actually name it that or not. But as we were just talking about all the services, man, there's so many different combinations that people yeah. might want. I'm, I'm curious if Apple will offer multiple options like, you know, get music, arcade, and news, or get music, Apple TV Plus, and something else, you know, the entertainment bundle, and then the news and utility. I don't know. That seems too complicated. Like, Apple wouldn't give you that many choices. But I'm glad to hear that it's been talked about again, because uh, not very long ago, it appeared that uh, the contracts, the music contracts for Apple Music, uh, in some way forbade or made this impossible to do right. and that fits with everything we've always heard over the years about record label contracts and things you know they're they're sticky right. and you're glad you don't have to deal with them so i assumed that was never going to change and we'd never get this but uh, if they have solved that out uh, i'm i'm almost more keen on this than i am on air power uh, mm. you know, and i'm looking forward to air power so so we'll see keep your eye on appleinsider.com if anything comes out in the press release early september or the event come october and speaking of what else is coming this fall, iOS 14 will be released sometime. We don't know if it'll be September or October, but one of the things that's been coming up in the news is the ad tracking that will now be surfaced when you update to iOS 14. Apps that are trying to track you for ad services will actually be required to ask you to opt in or opt out. And Facebook is shaking in their boots, as you would, because um, a lot of their businesses, or pretty much all their businesses, basically ads. You know, it's a free service. You don't pay for Facebook. So it's all advertisements, and they are saying that they expect their profits to be hit by some of these ad tracking restrictions, assuming that a lot of people will, upon seeing that warning, hey, do you want this app to track you? <laughs> Most people will say no. Uh, it's curious that there really isn't any more details yet. I, the first yeah. story was Facebook were talking to people about this and you thought, what well, have they got a plan? And no, it's more like they're going, what are we going to do? Right. I actually had a, a sleepless night last night and I, I'm. it could have been worrying about Facebook. It could have been the heat. I'm not, it was one or the other. I've been thinking through what apps have I got that would be likely to ask me this question that I would say yes to. And I mm. can't think of any. But that's mostly because... <laughs> The apps I love, I mean, OmniFocus, my beloved to-do app, it doesn't have any advertising. It's not going to, if it did, I might be tempted because I, I rate it so much. I want to support the company so much. Right. But apart from that, what do I use other than Facebook that's got ads in it? So I am more likely than not to not be asked very often and to say no. And so they're right. I'm sure it will hit their profits. Oh, yeah. 
I don't mind. An awful. I mean, I don't want anybody to lose money, but well, I'm okay. Listen, Facebook's not hurting. And the other piece of news that came out, which points to the maybe nefarious nature of Facebook <laughs> and by proxy Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, it came out that they have been sued. Facebook has been sued for allegedly harvesting biometric data via Instagram. And so it seems that Facebook might be capturing some facial information, facial recognition data. That's what we're talking about when we say biometrics. Even people who don't have Instagram accounts but are in pictures that are being posted on Instagram by Instagram users, that Facebook is taking that data, processing that facial recognition data supposedly, and it might be including that in some of its products or advertising and sharing that information with other entities. So this is all coming out in this lawsuit that's being brought against Facebook. And so, man, I have to say, I don't feel bad for Facebook because they do kind of this kind of stuff behind the scenes. And it makes me less and less inclined to trust them. I actually deleted their app from my device, from my phone and iPad, because I just, I don't know, you're just never sure what that app is going to be doing. And you can just as easily, not just as easily, it's actually a worse experience, but you can go to Facebook in the web browser. But I know that it doesn't have access to all that information being rather than being an app on my phone. So I don't know. Do, does this make you trust Facebook any less? Do you use Facebook? I do use Facebook. I like using Facebook, but I have um, what's going to sound like a very trivial uh, problem, but it worries me um, at, at least as much as biometric uh, face grabbing and stuff. The Facebook Messenger. Mm. Uh, if you don't do anything with Facebook Messenger, it's full of silly little noises. When you get a message, when you send a message, when you swipe, it just it bleeps at you. I heard this great discussion by the sound design team, uh, the effort they put into all of this and how crucial it was to it. It was mesmerizing, except for this small detail. I don't like the sounds at all, so I switched them off. <laughs> yes, There is a button. You have to search for it. There is a button where you can positively choose to switch all the sounds off and okay, fine, except Almost every time, almost every time they update Facebook Messenger, they switch the sounds back on. So you have made a positive user decision. They are reversing without telling you. And if they're doing that over something as trivial as the sounds, should I really trust them with anything that matters? I remember a couple of years back, it was a couple of users and people were reporting that when they were scrolling through their news feed at some points, like going in between a comment and back to the news feed, they could see that their camera was actually on in the background of the app. And so that's pretty weird. And it was definitely discovered that Facebook was using the background audio kind of mm. hack to keep its app constantly active in the background. In case you didn't know, there's an API for apps to be able to do background audio. And you want that, especially if you're listening to music, like on Spotify, or listening to a podcast in a third-party app. You want that audio to keep playing as you do other things on your device or even shut the screen off. But Facebook was playing stuff in the background, quote unquote, that was basically silent, but was registering as running audio. So its app could never die. And so if you went into the battery settings of your device, you would see that Facebook would have hours of background activity and you know you weren't doing anything with it and it was way more than necessary. So Facebook has a long history of of not doing great things privacy and security-wise, unfortunately. As we talk about other social networks too, so this TikTok and WeChat debacle has been growing over the past couple weeks. And in case you didn't know, 
we talked about it on last week's episode, but the Trump administration here in the United States has been making statements, nothing super clear or official just yet. The details aren't official, but basically saying that unless TikTok sells its U.S. branch to a, a American company, that the Trump administration will remove TikTok and basically ban it from the United States on all devices. So you would not be able to use TikTok on your iPhone anymore. And the deadline for that to happen is sometime in September. That date is kind of fluctuated and changed. Right now, I believe it's September 20th, that unless TikTok makes a move and can sell a branch uh, to an American company, that it will be removed September 20th. And now WeChat, which is an extremely popular messaging app, especially in China, has been kind of brought into this ban. And the White House here in America is saying that it might also ban WeChat from its devices, including having to remove it from the app stores in China on the iPhone. Basically saying that if you have an iPhone in China, that you would not be able to use those apps either, TikTok or WeChat. And this is a huge issue, especially for Apple. Apple and many other companies are trying to petition the White House to not do this because if you are in China, WeChat is pretty much everything. I mean, I know people use WeChat to pay for things, and it's kind of like that all-in-one app for many users. It has 1.2 billion users, that's a billion with a B, across the world. And again, if you... You know, if you can't download that app and you live in China, that's going to be a huge issue and it might really affect iPhone sales in China, especially. So, not sure what to think of all this. The news is still coming again, unclear, but just wild, uh, wild that this, uh, this would happen. I know you're a huge TikTok user, right? I'm actually becoming quite fond of TikTok just because of all of this. <laughs> I, I looked into right. what it does, how it uses uh, their responses to all of this. Um, I, I disagree with its. Uh, vehemently, the whole thing of banning it completely. And I see the importance in China and I get how that, that is going to be damaging to Apple. I can't fathom why it isn't clear. Uh, the original executive order, the internal White House document, the details are coming out now. Do it or don't, yes or no. It's like they're trying to just see what sticks or they're trying to keep things going. For example, let's say uh, the whole headline thing is that uh, TikTok can't continue unless it sells its American end to an American company. Well, let's say Microsoft does buy TikTok right. in the US. Uh, will the order still ban TikTok uh, in China? Right. And if it does, well, then it doesn't really matter that it's got a few million American users. Uh, Apple will still be cut off from that uh, market. And it's huge. It feels like the smallest details are, are so far from having been considered that it's... I look at this and I come away thinking, how many days to your election? You know, that's that's where I am. <laughs> so analyst Ming-Chin Kuo, the, he even estimated that Chinese iPhone sales may drop as much as 30% if this were to happen, again, which is yeah. a massive number. Now, there have been talks, again, about Microsoft buying the TikTok arm here in the U.S. And now also, it seems like Twitter might also be in the running, trying to have conversations to buy the TikTok branch as well. Honestly, I feel like the Twitter purchase would make a little more sense than Microsoft. Yeah. Again, Twitter had the Vine app, and it's uh, it's also done that Periscope live streaming service. So Twitter has done multiple social media networks sort of uh, over the years. So this would it would seem to make sense. But I don't know. Do you have any idea why Microsoft might want to buy 
this TikTok? There is uh, some historical basis in that, um, I can't remember the details, but a very long time ago, Bill Gates established uh, a Microsoft China Technology Group, or some name like that. And it was responsible for some developments that have become important. I don't know what in Microsoft, but it's a long history. Mm. And it's, yeah, however small it is, it's deeply embedded in China. So there is a connection with the country that goes beyond just trying to sell things there. Uh, it just I'm trying to think, what social networks has Microsoft done? Because Apple keeps <laughs> trying and failing with right. Ping, Connect, and I think that's the only, those are the only two, but it neither worked. Right. Twitter is obviously a little bit more successful with social media. I cannot think what Microsoft's even tried in this area. So is that a reason for them to try now? Are they? Is that why they might mm. do it? I, right. No, do you have a thought? I don't. You know, I talked about last week. I'm not sure. I mean, TikTok is hugely popular. I mean, it's definitely growing in the, especially the younger demographic, younger generations. So possibly a play for Microsoft to kind of reach those younger audiences with mm. services or products. Maybe would want to advertise these Surface Duo that's coming out soon <laughs> on TikTok, which we can talk about in a second. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it's it seems very un microsoft just tiktok as a whole i know for me i had it on my device and then like facebook i deleted it knowing that it was having some clipboard snooping issues and the privacy and security might be in question so like you i feel like this whole ban is very unclear may not be the best move in general especially wechat i feel like that's i'm not even sure why wechat got in the picture with this whole ban except for the fact that it's a is a chinese-owned company is that right yeah, uh, the the rule that they want to be rid of untrusted Chinese apps to give a clean network. I'm not saying those are the right terms. That's the terms um, Mike Pompeo has been using right. over all of this. So TikTok, WeChat, uh, Tencent, uh, if that's how you pronounce it, could be others as well. But it does look like they're really targeting TikTok and the rest is collateral damage. But what collateral damage? I feel like that's a little foolish. I mean... TikTok is new and has been seen to do some nefarious things like the clipboard snooping. WeChat has been in existence for years. I don't know how long, but long-standing app, long-standing service, 1.2 billion users, you know, not a small uh, user base. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. It just seems very strange. And again, seems more threatening than yeah, actually something that might be followed through with again, because we don't really have any details. So it's political more than uh, technological security, I think. This episode is brought to you by Fundrise. You've probably heard for years that it's important to have a diversified investment portfolio, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that kind of thing. But if you've ever looked at the breakdown of the most successful portfolios, you'll typically see a diversified set of real estate. So why isn't real estate one of the first assets you consider when you're looking to diversify your investments? Well, it's simple. That hasn't been available to investors like you and me until now, thanks to Fundrise. They make it easy for all investors to diversify by building you a portfolio of institutional quality real estate investments. So whether you're just starting to invest in real estate or looking to add more investments, our friends at Fundrise have you covered. Here's how. Fundrise is an investing platform that makes investing in high-quality, high-potential real estate as easy as investing in your favorite stock or mutual fund. Whether you're looking to add stable cash flow via dividends or prefer long-term growth through appreciation, Fundrise has you covered, and they do an incredible job managing those funds. Just visiting their beautiful website lets you know that they care about every detail when it comes to investing. 
Fundrise manages more than $1 billion in assets for over 130,000 investors. And since 2014, the Fundrise platform has averaged 8.7 to 12.4% annual returns, which is incredible. Investors have earned more than $79 million in dividends alone. And Fundrise has an incredible team of real estate professionals carefully vetting and managing all the real estate projects. And using that incredible website I mentioned, you can track your portfolio's performance and watch as properties across the country are acquired, improved, and operated via asset updates. So whether you're new to investing or you really want to diversify that portfolio and get into real estate investment, start building your better portfolio today. Get started at Fundrise.com slash Apple Insider to have your first 90 days of advisory fees waived. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash Apple Insider to have your first 90 days of advisory fees waived. Fundrise.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Fundrise for sponsoring this show. Microsoft announced that the Surface Duo is going to be available soon. This is a foldable tablet kind of like device. It's almost like a small book. It's an 8.1 inch a tablet, but it's really two 5.6 inch displays. And so you open it like a book. There's no screens on the outside. You open the book, you have these two 5.6 inch displays. Uh, again, you hold it like a book. It can make calls. It has LTE connectivity. So they're not building it like a phone, but I guess technically it could be because you have the cellular data. It runs Android, which again is Kind of hilarious because it's a Microsoft Surface running Android. But, you know, Microsoft tried the whole mobile operating system thing and it didn't work out. Although I did have a Windows phone at uh, 7 something and it wasn't bad. Did you ever have a Windows phone when those were popular? No, and I only ever saw one. But the person who showed me was very, very keen on it. So. <laughs> and I said when they, when they were popular, and that was a misnomer. They were not popular. They were, I remember that month, yes. Yeah, <laughs> they were in the news a lot, for sure. You know, especially when uh, Microsoft bought Nokia and the whole Lumia devices were like a big, you know, the best camera and a phone possibly, but just didn't take off. I remember actually Windows Phone was featured quite a lot in uh, a drama called Castle. Uh, but what was funny about it was... Uh, Clearly, the main character changed phone depending on who was sponsoring that week. So uh, it could be an iPhone, could be a Windows thing. And you just ended up finding that more amusing than the plot point. But uh, <laughs> I see. That is, yeah, that's interesting. You know, just a side note on that. I was trying to find something to watch again on Apple TV Plus, like you mentioned. Because sometimes it's hard to find something you want to watch. Mm. But I gave the uh, Steven Spielberg show Amazing Stories a try. Oh, yeah? And uh, I watched that first episode. It was actually pretty interesting, pretty fun uh, watching it. You know, every episode in that series is kind of a standalone story. It's not a continual Mm. series throughout the season. It's just kind of individual stories. But the first episode was fun. I might check out another episode. But, man, I have to say, I think you had mentioned this before on another show, the product placement can sometimes be a a little much. A little much, you know. Uh, You know, there were 
several iPhones very much on screen. And, you know, I forget what other device, I think maybe an AirPod and, and two, but it's like, all right, yeah, we, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> had you seen any of those, The Amazing Stories? No, actually, I'd meant to, and I'd forgotten that it had already come out. Of course it had. Little Voice was the last of the original set to come out. Um, I was a bit disappointed with that after all that wait. I, I kind of forgot to check out Amazing Stories. I've got to go look at that. Yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, at least the first episode, that's all I've seen, but it was pretty good. So back to the uh, Microsoft the Surface Duo. You can pre-order it now. It's set to ship September 10th, and it's going to cost $1,400. And again, this is compared to other like folding phones like the galaxy z fold which is like 1900 dollars. i guess it's a deal there mm. unclear is it supposed to use this as a tablet a phone i don't know does a device like this appeal to you at all it's an ugly little thing That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm spending a lot of money on something that i'm just going to grimace at every time i <laughs> it's a nice idea maybe if i i mean because I, I really dislike android i don't just not use it i dislike android I, yeah as it happens we all have our preferences that puts me off this no matter what it looks like but looking at it now i'm not drawn to try it no. to see if anything has changed i noticed that all the photographs show obviously it's showing it being folded open because that's the big feature but i haven't seen any yet with people trying to put them to their ear uh, to make a call <laughs> so yeah i wait till i see a few in the wild right you know i feel like closed the device actually has a nice looking exterior mm. you know the whole the silver with the windows logo and it you know closes flat it looks like a nice like little moleskin notebook with a windows logo so Closed looks pretty nice. <laughs> when you open it up, though, I I don't care. I mean, massive bezels, top and bottom of the screen. Yes, and just again running Android, like you said, it's not my preference. Uh, yeah, I just you have to look at the inside. You know, <laughs> that's the thing you're looking yeah, at. Those bezels. I mean, what is this? An iMac? It's just you know <laughs> huge bezels. Yeah, big big bezels. Honestly, it does look like two strangely shaped iPhone fives. Yes, you know, that's it. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> sandwiched together. For the amount of money you could spend on this, I would surely get an iPad Pro with a smart keyboard case before this. But hey, you know, it looks like it has a nice hinge. It's got that going for it. <laughs> y- yay. Go hinge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Anyway, there's a link in show notes. You can check out that, what it looks like. We covered it there. So I also wanted to touch on this expose that was on Tim Cook, uh, the news came out this week that his net worth is probably over a billion dollars now for the first time with Apple stock kind of on its way up, continues to increase. And not his general valuation, Tim Cook, appears to be over a billion dollars now. And so there was this expose by Trip Mickle in the Wall Street Journal, kind of did a profile on Tim Cook. He, To be clear, he had no access to Tim Cook, no Tim Cook quotes in here. He didn't get to ask Tim Cook anything. Trip Mickle apparently tried to contact Apple to see if he can get some Apple employees at least to comment. And Apple kind of gave him the names of four random people who have maybe had a 30-minute interaction with Tim Cook. So hmm. not a lot of you know first-party information here, but he did write some stuff. Did you get a chance to read any of this piece, just out of curiosity? I've read the coverage about it. I haven't read the full Wall Street Journal piece. I, mean, I heard this headline that somebody left a meeting with Tim Cook crying, and uh, I, that's the bit I want to know more about. Do you, do you know that bit, or have I just <laughs> dreamt this in, my, in the middle of my Facebook worrying sleepless night? <laughs> I did not hear about the crying. I did see... It doesn't sound like Tim Cook, no, does it? No, it doesn't sound like Tim Cook at all. Yeah. Supposedly... Again, the article, Trip Mickle says that current and former employees say Mr. Cook has created a more relaxed workplace than Mr. Jobs, uh, which again is kind of a, <laughs> it's a low bar to create a more relaxed <laughs> workplace after Steve Jobs. Yes. But 
that he is very detail-oriented. The one part where it says that Tim Cook might have gotten irritated is that the company, Apple, apparently mistakenly shipped 25 computers to South Korea instead of Japan, said a former colleague. This is a quote from the article, adding that it seemed like a minor misstep for a company shipping nearly 200 million iPhones annually. Tim Cook said, quote, we're losing our commitment to excellence, end quote, the person recalls. So that seems to be the most irritated moment that is recalled in this article, at least that I found. I didn't see the crying Ooh. part. Yeah, f- uh, apologies. Sorry, Tim Cook, if I've tried to over... I'm a dramatist, clearly. I'm working on a, a, a script version of this, and I need more incidents than we've lost 0.0% of our computers because <laughs> we put the wrong label on. Right, exactly. I did a profile of him ages ago, just a basic thing. And I remember looking into details of how little was known, how little was spoken about him. But this now quite famous thing that he's really strong on the logistics right. uh, of things and how he transformed Apple from having a ridiculous amounts of computers in warehouses not being sold down to just a few days of it. The whole just-in-time engineering, all of these things that he was really in control of. And he assumed that, you know, he's talented at this, but then he moves up through the whole company. What happens to all of that? And he's obviously hired people who are as good as he was at it because that does seem to be Apple. One of Apple's core strength is this utter brilliant control of exactly where things are done. There's a, a famous example at uh, sometime early on. Uh, I know Steve Jobs said this. I think it was when Tim Cook was around. Somebody was trying to explain to Steve Jobs uh, what a variance report was in accounting. Mm. And I didn't know. Um, I don't know either. It's where... You estimate how many things you've made and sold, and then at the end of the month, you check how many you've sold, and the variance is whether you were, how wrong you were. Gotcha. And Steve Jobs would not accept this because, right, we're making computers. We know when they go on the factory line, when they come off. We know to the number, to the single digit number, how many we've made. Why would we allow any approximation at any point? No variance reports allowed. And I have the impression that Tim Cook. Uh, is similarly focused, yes. which that uh, that small thing about South Korea feels like it's in character far more than my my crying fantasy that I just made up. <laughs> Well, you know, at the beginning of this article, I did want to mention Trip Mickle, the author in the Wall Street Journal, says that, you know, Mr. Jobs, Steve Jobs, orchestrated great leaps of innovation, generally defined by new products capable of upending industries. And again, I'm reading from the article, quote, Mr. Cook has made Apple more reflective of himself, like the company he leads is cautious, collaborative, and tactical, end quote. And that, I felt like was a little bit... Not jabby, but saying, you know, under Steve Jobs, Apple was all about innovation. And now under Tim Cook, you know, it's all about being cautious and tactical. And I feel like he forgets that there are products like the totally redesigned iPad Pro in 2018 or AirPods and AirPod Pros and the whole announcement of Silicon Max that was just happened at WWDC. You know, to say that Apple is not focused on innovation and instead just being cautious, I feel like that's a little... Uh, a little harsh, yeah. It's a little harsh and just a little off, you know, maybe a lot off. The iPhone was so groundbreaking. I don't know if there could actually be a product no. that could match that. You know, the phone became the one device that everyone has. You know, whether you have a smartwatch or a tablet or even a computer, the smartphone is the device. You know, and 20, 30 years ago, you know, who knows that that was going to be the big, mm-hmm. the huge thing, you know, that smartphones, especially iPhone, Android and all that. Apple 
and Steve Jobs, the iPhone was incredible. But I don't even know if in the our lifetimes or in the next hundred years that there would actually be a device that surplants the phone as the huge innovation. You know, Apple glasses, even if that is incredible, I don't see smart glasses being that item. No. And the Apple Watch is great and innovative, but I don't think a wearable is going to match that level of groundbreaking industry upending you know, product. It's funny you should say the Apple Watch because uh, I know uh, really it's supposed to be Johnny Ive. That, uh, I know it's all teamwork, but that he drove it. But he got the support of Tim Cook and, and it wasn't an obvious thing to do and it was an expensive, is an expensive thing. So I, I don't buy the cautiousness. I, I get it. I just, I don't, I think it's, it's too much, um, that criticism. I mean, I think it seems unfair to me. Well, the, the profile is behind the paywall but I will put a link to it in show notes. The article is on the Wall Street Journal. We've covered it, so there'll be a link to the Apple Insider article as well, and it's been covered all over kind of the, the internet. But it will be interesting one day to read the biography of, of Tim Cook, just like uh, the Steve Jobs biographies. You know, Hopefully, Walter Isaacson isn't the only biography that comes out <laughs> of Tim Cook, but <laughs> we'll see. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Throughout the years, I've been with all the big wireless carriers, even Singular. You remember those guys? but I was never happy about paying all that every month for service. But then I discovered there's another option where I can get premium cellular service and super fast data at a fraction of the cost. I could cut my wireless bill down to just $15 a month and save hundreds of dollars a year by switching to Mint Mobile. So if you're looking to save on your wireless plan, maybe save money for your whole family without sacrificing service, the switching to Mint Mobile is a no-brainer. I've been using Mint Mobile for months now, and they have incredible service, fast data. They have a family plan. You can get your entire family on the Mint Mobile train. And they recently just updated their app. I don't know about you, but when a company cares about how their app looks and how it's designed, it says a lot. And I love using Mint Mobile's new app to manage the plan, see your data, change things up, add family members. It's great. So check out that Mint Mobile app too. But if you're tired about paying as much as you are for your wireless bill, check out Mint Mobile because it's just $15 a month. They're an online-only cellular carrier. They've eliminated all the traditional costs of retail, and Mint Mobile passes that savings on to you. You get unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus super-fast LTE with all the plans. You can use your own phone, your iPhone, your iPhone 11 Pro, iPhone XR, whatever it is. You keep your same phone number or get a new one. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with a seven-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash appleinsider. That's mintmobile.com slash appleinsider. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash appleinsider. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for having awesome service and for sponsoring this show. Funny thing I wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Kanye West, uh, his, as he's supposedly running for president here in the United States, unknowns if he's even getting on the ballots in any states, but his campaign team blamed the clock on the iPhone for missing Wisconsin's 5 p.m. deadline to get on the ballot in the state, and they quoted the iPhone clock as being notoriously faulty. Those are the exact two words that they used, the Kanye West uh, campaign team, that the the iPhone clock is notoriously faulty. That's why they missed the 5 p.m. deadline. I thought that was hilarious. I don't know about you, but I have never 
ever had an issue with the clock on my iPhone. I interviewed somebody recently, uh, nothing to do with Apple, it's a, a, a drama project, and uh, he was saying, now that we've all we're working from home so much, we all have the same clock. So I told him I was going to phone at 9.30, and he was on another meeting, and he knew I was going to phone on the stroke of 9.30, and, and I did, for because I can't keep an interviewee waiting and stuff. But the way he said that, we all have the same clock. We do. Yeah. All of these internet clocks connected together, the technology, the time, of all the things to call notoriously faulty. Uh, you know, it's like... <laughs> It's not like saying gravity is notoriously faulty, but it's close. <laughs> you know, just... Especially when you step on a scale, then gravity's way off. Definitely. Oh, yeah, that's true, actually. Yes, okay, good point. Yeah, way off. <laughs> but yeah, I just love this. And, you know, to your point, you know, we're all on Zoom now with many coworkers. And if you're using Zoom, you're on a device, and that device is probably getting its time from the internet. Yeah. So, yeah, I do feel at least much more pressure now of like, if the Zoom calls at 9 a.m., you know, it's going to happen at 9 a.m. You know, it's people know it's 9 a.m. You know, they're staring at their computer screen and there's there's no uh, variant there. So <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. I had, I had to mention that. I like the fact that anybody, I mean, I'm a, a, a dramatist and I, I enter writing for various things. So there are always deadlines for stuff. And it is always true whether I'm organizing it or submitting. I know people wait to the last second. But that's because we're writers and we're nuts and we think one more minute will wait, will make it bit better. In this mm. case, the number was not going to change in the last 30 seconds before five o'clock right. why couldn't they have just gone before lunch put it in done it I well don't. and then the kanye's campaign team went on to argue that if they were 14 seconds late and that should not be considered late because it's yes. still 5 p.m <laughs> it's not 501 yeah just hilarious yeah I don't, who knows i'm very curious if he's ever if he's on any ballots come november here in the united states but but actually, to be fair, did the ballot specify which time zone of five o'clock? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know this. And this we're uncovering scandal here. I could I could be wrong, but I believe Wisconsin in its entirety is in the same time zone. <laughs> but oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd, do you have any multiple time zones? No, over in the UK, or it's just it's all. UT, like surprising it's all the same we have an issue that um france is always an hour ahead even though you can draw a straight line down from us from where i am anyway into the france thing uh but we just kind of we you know we roll with it <laughs> that's not why we're leaving the eu at all although it's about as sensible a reason as why we are anyway yes um <laughs> i take it you're a bit more bothered aren't there some really funny time zones in the states where oh it, there's a half hour difference or it's one part of a state yes it's different it's really interesting stuff yeah tennessee kentucky and indiana all have multiple time zones. Part of the state's in one time zone, part of it's in another. There are some 30 minutes. Also, the Dakotas and Nebraska, there's 30-minute time zones. The, the, the most hilarious example is the daylight savings time and time zone confusions because the state of Arizona does not observe daylight savings. And there's a couple other counties in America that don't either. But the state does not observe it. But there is a reservation in Arizona that does observe daylight savings, but yet there is an even smaller part within that reservation that, again, does not observe daylight savings. So just within the Arizona state alone, in a couple hundred mile radius, it could be at different times. And not because they're in a different time zone, but just the daylight savings time observance or not. So right. 
Do you guys observe daylight savings over there? Yes, yes, we do. And twice a year, we have the thing of people saying we shouldn't. And then there's good reasons why we should and nothing ever happens. But it's always the last time. So yes, yes. we're all farmers, so we should, you know, <laughs> all of us just farming. Well, a couple other last things to follow up. I had asked on the last week's episode if anyone had information about using an iMac as a display, as a secondary display for a MacBook or MacBook Pro. I said that I have experience with Luna Display and Duet Display, and both those products work. And we had I had someone tweet at me. This is actually Productive Monk on Twitter, funny name, uh, but he recommended X Mirage. X Mirage is a piece of software you can buy. I think it's fifteen dollars. And basically, you install it on the computer you want to use as the display. And it does have settings for resolution and latency and all that. It's basically using AirPlay. And you can basically use your iMac as a secondary monitor from your MacBook using AirPlay. And there's other apps like this too. Air Server is another app where you can make a Mac an AirPlay destination device. So it's another way to do it. Uh, So thank you for that. I appreciate you sending that in. My needs, I'm really looking for something that uses a direct like USB connection or even, you know, HDMI out of my MacBook and into something on my iMac, but some kind of direct connection for that secondary display, something that takes advantage of the 4K screen on my iMac ah. because X Mirage and Luna Display does a little better job of, of trying to be as high-res as possible, but because it's really using kind of AirPlay technologies, it's not sharp. You know, it's not the full resolution of the iMac as if I were just looking at my iMac screen, you know, natively. Actually, I've got to say, I didn't uh, email in even when I heard that because I took it for granted that your Mac was quite new for it. And then now you've just said 4K, it must be. I had a 2012 uh, iMac for a long time. And last year I did connect it to my Mac Mini uh, using, uh, would it have been Thunderbolt cables? I can't remember, DisplayPort, some physical hardwiring. It was stupidly complicated. but it worked. It just it wouldn't work after the 2012 iMac. Apparently, uh, I gave up and I bought a, a better monitor in the end. But if you had an older one, it's possible. Right. See, and I, and I know just getting a monitor is is an answer. But you know, my situation is this iMac is kind of like the family iMac, and so you know, my kids will use it. So I can't just you know take the iMac off the desk and just put a monitor that I use on my laptop because then mm. the computer is you know has nowhere else to go. You know, I, I use my MacBook Pro because it's more powerful. But you know, I just have this iMac sitting here, so that's why I want to use it as a monitor. And I also would like whatever solution, you know, if, if more listeners are going to recommend stuff, I'd love to hear it. I'm really looking for a way to do this. But I would love to be able to close my MacBook and still have the display on, you know, clamshell mode, if you want to call it that. And none of the options, either X Mirage or Do It Display, Luna Display can almost work sometimes, but it's so laggy. And then it'll eventually just quit after a while of my MacBook being closed. You know, if you're hardwired to a monitor, you can have your MacBook closed sideways in a little stand. And I have a stand from 12 South where I can put it in there. But, you know, you can close it and then just use your computer as you would. So I'm still looking for a solution. If anyone out there knows of a way to do it, I'd love to hear it. Complicated is not the issue. I mean, I'll get adapters and dongles and capture devices, whatever I need to do. But still looking for a a solution there. And don't you have like an extra wide monitor, something that's like 80 feet across or something like that? (laughs) At the moment, I have a 34-inch Samsung 
much. When you were saying that about using the iMac screen, I, iMac screens are fantastic. I mean, I know the 5K is better than the 4K, but I, my 2012 pre-Retina was gorgeous yeah. and in many ways better than this monitor. I, I love how wide this monitor is. I would actually like it to be wider, <laughs> but it's also quite narrow top to bottom. So it's a very different feel to my old iMac screen. Gotcha. Also, I mean, I'm not a gamer. Apparently it would be too slow for games. You cannot go back from a 34-inch to a regular one. And unfortunately, I think I'm <laughs> going to have to. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'm surprised how much I really lust after the 49-inch ones now that I've <laughs> seen this. Been able to spread your stuff out yeah. just that little bit more. And using things like Keyboard Maestro to just right. fling a screen to the corner when you're done with it or fling it back into the center when you're using it. It's oh. that is That is nice. And you're very kind. You know, I said inches and feet and, and over there, we're the only, us in one other country, I think, is the only one using the imperial method of measurements. Do you actually, like when you're buying a monitor over there in the UK, is it in centimeters or inches? No, it's in inches. Isn't that unbelievable? What a huh. crazy world. I, I, when I was at school, <laughs> things were just changing over. So I've, I've talked about this with my wife, who was uh, a couple of years ahead of me, and she is just in the stage where she had to adjust to things more than I did. But I will measure things, distances in miles, but fuel in litres and things <laughs> like that. It's just, yeah, you get used to it all. Okay. At least... You know, we're apparently not going to change over to the euro ever. So that's one other adjustment <laughs> I don't have to make. <laughs> right. When you get a TV, is it inches too? It is inches. Inches for screens and monitors, nothing else. Huh. Uh, just No, not true. I'm trying to think about capacity for uh, fridges and things. Um, no, I can't remember. But for TVs, my mom is looking at a TV now. And I'm talking to her about the fact that she has a 32-inch one. She'd like oh. one slightly more. So, yeah, it's all inches. I can't even think what the... It's 2.5 centimetres to the inch. I should be able to do the maths here. But it never comes up huh. in that. And I've not noticed till you said it. That's interesting. Excellent. Huh. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to know some etymology on why. Yeah. It is because all the companies making them are Asian companies. You know, it's not, it's not like the United States is making a bunch of TVs. So, And actually, the U.S. is uh, has gone metric um, underneath all the measurements for the production of things. Uh, are in metric and they're calculated and sold that way and it's then converted uh -huh. at the last bit to be pints and stuff uh so yeah uh, how peculiar i love that oh that's interesting about this one. well and if we have any <laughs> listeners over there in the uk maybe you know i would love to hear that's very interesting please yeah my last piece of follow-up the last time you were on the show we talked about our task managers and you and you spoke about your beloved omnifocus and so i i spent like an afternoon and went all in on OmniFocus. I moved all my tasks over. I moved all my projects. I organized it. I did really like the way you could have your perspectives. And um, I think I have the the pro level, whatever that middle one is. I don't have the highest plan. There's too many past tense things here. Is this going to end nicely? or? <laughs> well, listen, or I thought it was great. It's very powerful. I could see why it's, it's really useful. But for some reason, the, just the design... I couldn't get past it. I just, I don't know why, but I went back. I went back to things. Well, nice talking to you. Um, don't bother to call back. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I even I even um, got custom icons for my perspectives because I saw that you could set, you know, custom little icons so then you could have your perspectives on the home screen of the app and have it look all nice. And I did all that. And I don't know what it is. I don't, maybe just... 
things just has that that X factor in the design. I'm not sure, but I totally get it. I'm the same as you in the opposite way. I can see the appeal of things, but it doesn't do it for me. Uh, I think there's more to this than uh, aesthetics. There's a way, I think you said this before about these things work in uh, the way you think or they don't. And OmniFocus suits the way I do things. And it seems like things does for you i i would i i remember the last time i reviewed things i found it a huge chore moving over to it for a bit and i was actually glad to get back and i was aware that that was practically muscle memory more than any criticism mm. of things but isn't it great that there is one that you like superbly yes, yes you know? absolutely Just, and you've got the wrong one but <laughs> you know what can you do well this is and this is why there's always a billion tasks apps and calendar apps and all those kinds of things because everyone has their own yeah. way they like to do it so I, I did i got it it's super powerful i really liked the sequential type projects you know where you can have it where you yes. don't see the next task until you complete the first one and again the flexibility was amazing so i, I totally get it was that is that not a thing in things you can't oh, do no. that no, no wow <clears throat> no you can do a project with you know a dates on task and you can kind of manually reorder them but it's not a thing where you you won't see the next task until you complete the first one they can't do that i mean i don't do it very often but there are times where there's one project i have that is so huge if i look at it i'll just go pale <laughs> but i can have omnifocus only show me the next thing i've got to do and then when i've done it that's gone and the next one appears or i have a financial one which is not difficult but it's fiddly and every step takes slightly longer than you can keep concentrating on. So it steps me through to make certain I don't make do anything in the wrong order or miss anything out. I had no idea. I just took it for granted things could do. I'll come back. Come back to OmniFocus. <laughs> Belong here. That was the one feature, you know, because like this podcast, you know, I have a set of tasks I do every week in relation to editing the show and publishing it and the sponsor stuff and all that. And it was great to be able to have that in a sequential order and just, you know, I know the next thing to do and I don't have to think about it. And so that was very tempting. That was the one feature I was like, man, maybe I should hold on to it. But I don't know, something about the design of things. I just, I don't know. I think if, if functionality and design are close, but design is just a little higher in uh, in you know whatever subjective <laughs> measurement I'm I'm using, mm. I, I go to the design for some reason. So, I, I design is hugely important, and and it's more than how it looks; it's the whole working of it. Yeah. I do think things is beautifully done. I like the design of OmniFocus, but I'm a little shocked at that sequential thing because not three hours ago I was recommending to do apps to it, a whole group of people, and <laughs> things was right up there. And now that genuinely would make me has. I need to look at things again before I go around recommending it blindly to people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what you use, listeners, for your task and to-do app. If you're a things guy, an OmniFocus, or something else, we'd love to hear about it. A tweet at William or I. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes, and you can reach us there. You can also email us. The link's in the show notes. If you haven't yet, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. So there's a number of you that did that this last week, and that was great. All five stars. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, you can comment on the post. Don't forget to check out the other show on Apple Insider 2, HomeKit Insider, where we talk about all about HomeKit devices and smart home and the cameras that are coming out, HomeKit Secure Video, Hubs, troubleshooting projects. It's a great show. It comes out every Monday. So check out HomeKit Insider as well. All the links to the stuff we discussed in the show notes for this podcast. Keep your eye on AppleInsider.com for all the news as we head into the fall and new devices and rumors leaks and all that. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time.